my most recent like big time curation that changed my business happened in 2020. And that was when I decided during COVID that I was not going to come out on the other side of this doing the same stuff that I was. I needed to completely change this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast. I am your host, John Mansfield. I'm here to help you grow your business, build community, and create the lifestyle you always dream of. Every week, I bring in other photographers, creative entrepreneurs, and business professionals. So whether it's from our topic of the episode or one of the many tangents that we will follow, you will walk away with some wisdom to implement in your business and in your life. Each interview is recorded live in our Facebook community where you can ask questions and be part of the conversation. Y'all, I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. Um, I know I say that a lot, but genuinely I am excited. Uh, Pretty much every episode that I have to share because I love this. I love doing this. I love having these conversations um, with my guests and they are all extraordinary. And Molly is absolutely extraordinary as well. Um, She is a fine art photographer based in Los Angeles in New York. And she's also the creator of Make Pretty Workshops, where she she teaches workshops for hands-on photo education and mentorship for all of you fashion-forward, design-driven photographers out there that want to uh, refresh your brand's aesthetic and gain experience needed to grow your business at the same time. And we were talking about refreshing your brand's aesthetic today. We're talking about curating your portfolio. A lot of us, we just throw these photos up in our portfolio because we're like, "Mm, I like this one. Or I remember uh, this moment of the day. That was a good moment. I'm going to share this. Or this one got a lot of likes on Instagram. So I'm going to include this in my portfolio, even though maybe it doesn't make sense. And Molly's going to, She's, she's got so much, she shares so much for you. Uh, so get ready to completely transform your portfolio and your brand aesthetic and to really define who you are, what your brand is, match your portfolio to that and attract all the clients who just fall in love with your photos. Okay, that's enough. Let's get into my conversation with Molly McCauley. Molly, welcome to the show. I am very excited uh, to chat today. Uh, could you give us a little uh, little background uh, into you, where you're based, all those things? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I am originally, I'm a Midwesterner, so that's the, the Midwest nice that comes out. Um, but I am based in Los Angeles and in the Northeast. My market in the Northeast is uh, New York and New England. I have a mountain home in Vermont uh, where I am right now and it's cold. It's very cold. Yeah. Um, yeah so I have been a wedding photographer. Um, I've had my business since 2009. It's making me feel real old. Um, I was actually a wedding planner before that. I did that for seven years just as a part-time gig. Always wanted to transition into photography, but weddings kind of found me. Mm -hmm. I was getting my master's degree in fine art photography. My entire plan was to go be... go the collegiate route. So for me, education was always a goal. Um, and I just took the really long way to get there. Um, (laughs) and yeah, I've been photographing weddings. I'm in my 15th year. I launched my education workshop, um, and mentorship, uh, portion of my business over the last two years. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the quick and dirty. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. What drew you to uh, studying fine art photography? Well, <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a loaded answer on that, but I'm going to okay. keep it. I'm going to keep it fairly surface level. I've always I have I've never been um, one to conform to the norm uh-huh. and I am not an office person. I am. I don't actually really do well with authority in general. Gotcha. Um, so I always knew I wanted to work for myself. Uh, photography has been a lifelong uh, journey of mine. My mom gave me my first camera when I was six or seven going off to summer camp. Um, I 
also have a huge interest in fashion. So I've worked in the fashion industry, worked for a fashion house in London. When I moved to LA, that's actually one of the first jobs I got um, was working in fashion. Realized real quickly that I didn't love the industry. Um, and wanted to really go hard on the photo aspect of things. So for me, it was, okay, how do I do all of this? But how do I also just like be a helper? I've always been a natural helper. So for me, it was photography education. And um, I just figured in order to do that at a higher level, uh, you have to have a certificate. <laughs> and I right. was like, okay, get my master's. Um, and I always say it was the best worst thing I would never do again. <laughs> um, but it's gotten me to where I am in my business, um, taught me a lot, got me very serious about being thoughtful and, um, and really ruthless at times in terms of looking at my work. Um, during that time, during my MFA and shortly after, um, I actually helped open um, the flagship gallery of Leica Gallery in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I was working directly with the gallery director there. We did nice. curation shows. So curation has been a part of a, a big part of my journey. Um, it transformed my business uh, during COVID. And yeah, I've just found it be so helpful for so many of like my friends and peers and even like mentees that I've helped work through things. Um, just it makes such a difference in oh, how yeah. you're presenting your business. So um, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I like that I feel like anyone that I've talked to who has studied fine art photography, mm. they're all like very intentional about mm. how you photograph, what you show, um, what photos you're taking to tell the story and not just like, here's the story. I'm just going to point my camera and click, but really being mindful and intentional with uh, the frames that you're actually taking and delivering. Right. And I think what's really interesting, too, is that in the wedding industry, it is such a fast paced um, day and it yeah. can be very overwhelming for a lot of people. That's why I think not it's 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 funny because while I was getting my degree, they always kind of like poo pooed on weddings as being a cop out. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, you would never be my studio <laughs> teacher. I look back. I was like, you would never be able to hack this. You would never be able to do what I do. No. So for me, it's really an interesting juxtaposition of being able to manage a timeline and mm. still allow yourself to take the time to be thoughtful and be uh, curated and be conscious of like composition and like conscious of being you're being hired to showcase your art for these people and how do you still do that in the chaos of a day um maybe it's not in the chaos of the day maybe it is curating on the back end which is usually what i do yeah yeah no i like that the curator uh your art for your clients, like producing yeah. your art for those people. Um, I, I like that, uh, that sentiment that, uh, this is not, you're being, you know, yeah, you're being commissioned yeah, as an yeah, artist, you're being exactly. commissioned to tell someone's story thoughtfully and artfully yeah. as they would never be able to. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, which is what it's, makes everyone different is we are all different artists and we have different eyes and how we yep. photograph things and see things and want to tell the story of our couples and clients. And, uh, yeah, I, I also got that, uh, you know, wedding photographers are like the lowest rung just you know oh yeah if you can't what? make it as Why? a studio I photographer get i guess you could go be a wedding photographer and i don't know <laughs> if it was like back in the the old film days of where for a wedding photographer really just showed up for the ceremony and then family photos mm -hmm. and took a picture of you by the cake and then they were like, all right, yep. peace. See ya. We'll, yeah. uh, you know, I'll send you some scans or I guess <laughs> they weren't scans back then. No. We'll, we'll, I'll develop You're these. You're getting the and, actual yeah. photos. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, cause I, I occasionally, I pretty often have some grandfather of the bride or someone come up to me and just like, yeah, this y'all are all over the place. This is, 
you're just taking pictures of everything. I'm like, that is what we're hired to do. Yeah. And he was it's like, at job. my wedding, you know, we only had 17 photos. And right. Yeah. It's changed quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is definitely not the lowest rung of any uh, photography genre for sure. There's yeah, it's so, so funny it. because I think as I've been a, the theme of being a black sheep in my life has uh-huh. always been reoccurring. And I was the black sheep of my 13 person group. And I always got the insult. Like it was, I guess it was just like a backhanded compliment of like, oh, your work's really pretty. And Mm, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, and that's actually where my workshop series is called Make Pretty. And it's like the story behind it is like kind of a dig at this jerk of a (laughs) professor that I had. But um, I'm not bitter at all. (laughs) Um, Of course not. (laughs) No, no resentment there. Um, But I, I just I find it so odd that in this fine art program, I was being kind of just like docked for having really aesthetically beautiful work and what I found is that a lot of that genre of educators and honestly just kind of that personality and uh, you know generation Mm -hmm. if you weren't this like dark tortured artist that like was willing to starve for their work it wasn't like commendable where I was like dude I just like sold my entire show and I'm making money on the weekends cool like (laughs) I want to I want to have like a life I enjoy and I happen to be really good at this so I'm gonna go do it yeah yeah we do not have to be starving artists anymore like that is that is not something you have to be as a photographer it is changed to where you can uh and even back then they probably could have too but there's like something about like I know people who just they want to be that martyr of like well Mm. I'm a struggling artist so that's why I, you know, make my own clothes or that's why I do this. I'm like, you can make your own clothes because you love making your own clothes. Totally. And you can make a good living being an artist. Uh, 100%. Yeah. No, I love, I love that. So, okay. So with portfolio, I mean, you talked Mm -hmm. about how they were like, your photos are all pretty and everything. Mm -hmm. And like that set you apart. You look different than everyone else in, uh, in the program. Um, what like, what does that look like? How do we even begin to curate a portfolio and why would we want to do that? Yeah. So I think the place that I got to, I've always been um, good at kind of like being able to pick apart like, hey, these all just kind of look too much alike. I'm going to choose one of these. Of these mm. five images, they all look the same. They all mm. don't need to be in the gallery, which is the best, which is the strongest. I've been fairly good at being able to narrow, narrow that down. Maybe that's because of my schooling, going to art school. You just get you know, that kind of drilled into you. Yeah. But it could just be inherently I'm, I'm good at cutting my own work. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I think it's important to really start to examine your work when you are bored, when you Mm. are sick of shooting the same stuff. Mm -hmm. For me, Southern California weddings look a lot alike. And I'm sure in Texas, weddings look a lot alike yes and mostly in barns yeah (laughs) barns or tents or whatever it Uh is like uh I was so sick of shooting on the beach like I was like don't give me a nut like take me to the desert like I want to get you know out of here so for me it kind of became a point of shooting weddings for six or seven years they all looked the same I was uninspired I was so sick of (laughs) looking at the same color palette I was sick of um not necessarily working with the same people, but the fact that there was no creative, everything got very routine. Mm. So my curation, my most recent like big time curation that changed my business happened in 2020. And that was when I decided during COVID that I was not going to come out on the other side of this doing the same stuff that I was. I needed to completely change this. And what I did was I created three high-end, very intentional and marketable editorials for myself. I did it, spent a lot of money and just put it out there did an entire rebrand, did a whole new website, all in this like down season, right? 
of um of our wedding season so like right like november to february we're rarely shooting in california our season's year-round but it's not Mm. as much so i spent i spent all this time i'm due to launch um i'm i'm due to launch like right pretty much like in the thick of COVID we're all in lockdown. Like it's like, I'm like, whatever I'm going through with it anyway. I'm just, I'm doing it so that when we get to the other side of this, I've got more aligned clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to that point and I just decided to completely overhaul my presence. And um, it made me feel more confident in the work that I was putting out there. It made me feel more excited about the work that I wanted to shoot. It helped me to really clarify what my signature style was. It was the first time that I really infused work that had my point of view. I talk a lot about like having an aesthetic point of view and I think curation helps create that. So for me, it was like, okay, how am I really just honing in on this particular, um, vantage point or point of view of of mine that resonates so truly with me that gets me excited it has my own personal style um so i just put all of that out there and it's so funny because when you do people notice a not just because <laughs> of the drastic change right like my work didn't necessarily look so different my editing style changed ever so slightly mm-hmm. um i really got back to my roots and was shooting a lot more film whereas before i was kind of just shooting to appease my client nobody wanted to pay for film so my new process was no film is included this is this is part of it um and so it just it had a different vibe and I was so here for it and within weeks of that launch I was getting I was I got three inquiries that I all booked that were so aligned with where I wanted to go. And I even made sure I, I like reached out to one of the planners. I was like, Hey, just want to make sure that you saw this new rebrand. Like I've completely shifted gears. I'm not, I'm not falling into that category anymore. And she said, no, that's exactly why my clients wanted you. Mm-hmm. And you looked different than everybody. Everybody else in Southern California looks the same. Yours looks slightly different, a little bit more editorial, a little bit higher um, or like elevated, if you will. Yeah. So for me, it immediately started yielding returns and because of the confidence and I felt so strong in the curated work that embody of work that I'd put together, I was asking for more money and rightfully so. I've been in it long enough. I've had enough experience and I've gotten to the point where I am able to, to discern what is, um, should live on a website or be posted on social or not at, not everything needs to be out there. And I think that's the misconception is less is more. And especially as you move up in your market, less is more. I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I can't say say that enough. So (laughs) I was going in a matter of weeks charging double. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that everyone by curating their body of work is going to be able to do that. But what it does do is give you a shift in perspective, which can change so many other things about your business. Hey, y'all, quick break to share with you about something new that I put together on the new website, podcast.allheartphoto.com, which has all the show notes from today's episode, as well as many others. But you know, I am here to help you build your business and create the lifestyle you always dreamed of. And with that comes some resources that I have found very helpful for me building my business and also some resources that I put together, some guides and email templates and things like that, that I think would be really helpful for you. So if you want to go check that out, head over to podcast.com. Just that podcast.com. That's the whole thing. Head over to podcast.allheartphoto.com slash resources. You can also go check out podcast.com if you want to. I've never been there. Let's give it a shot. Check them out too. Free ad for you, podcast.com. Now back to the show. I love that you said not everything needs to be out there because for the first, oh, probably three or four years, in business i blogged every single photo shoot if it was a wedding if it was an engagement if it was bridal portraits if it was family photos newborns anything it hit the blog and that's how i delivered like their their sneak peek 
photos. Oh, was... I mean, that's smart. It's smart business. That's uh-huh. really smart business, but it doesn't necessarily attract the people that you want. No, it really didn't. Uh- and you brought up, you brought up a really good point too, that you're like, oh, weddings, portraits, babies, maternity, whatever family, whatever it was. I, I'm a believer that those things should all live separately. And I know that people will disagree with me on that, that they can all like coexist. I don't think they can. I think it confuses your client, especially Mm. if you are wanting to book a higher end client. They don't want to see you being able to do everything. They want to see you being able to do wedding photography really well. Mm-hmm. or family or maternity or newborn or whatever it is really well. Yeah. So figuring out how to, again, curate those separately, um, I, th- I think is important in establishing um, a brand. Yes, I agree too. I, I really only do family photos for past couples. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're legacy clients. You should, you yeah. absolutely should. Yeah. And, but I rarely post any of that online. Yeah, you don't have to show it. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think I have that on my website. Yeah. And my website is for weddings because right. that is what I specialize in. And yeah, yeah it, it makes sense that you would want to really showcase what you're wanting your ideal target clients to desire, because if they're coming to you and going to other photographers as well and they're like okay so this one it looks like they specialize in weddings like their whole website is weddings Mm -hmm. and social media is all about weddings and they have these great tips and all this stuff and then they go to yours and it's like here's weddings and here's a newborn session that i did the other day and here are some headshots that i did for this corporate client it was like Okay, you're kind of all over the place. Like it looks your wedding photos are fine, but I don't know if you're like that's your bread and butter. That's yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like where Uh where are you being pulled? And for me, like quite frankly, I really don't like taking family photos. So for me, I like (laughs) this is gonna make me you're a parent, so this is gonna make me sound bad. I don't have kids, but I (laughs) I just I don't think your kid is as cute as you think they are. And it's like, oh, I don't find parent, it. As a parent, I also yeah, don't I'm like, think. I don't find it amusing. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just one of those things where I was like, I found myself just getting angry that I was scheduling all these mini sessions at the end of the year. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? So mm. finally, I just gave myself permission like a few years ago. I was like, no, not, e- not even for my clients. No. Like I'm yeah. done. And you know, I, that was the, the freedom of that was so nice. And I think there is a way to, if you want to be that legacy photographer, I think that is very smart because you are creating a lifelong client, but mm-hmm. there is a way then that you have to package that. If mm. you are not caring about whether or not your wedding clients are continuing their family and you're just booking one-off family stuff that's where I think it needs to be separate um for sure but you know you you do you but make sure that it makes sense and like make sure that it is done in a thoughtful way where it doesn't just look like you're shooting anything for anyone who will hire you yeah 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 I I completely agree and and also like if if you do, cause I enjoy some family photos most of the time. Like I don't like the, everyone sit over here in these wildflowers and stare at the camera and, you know, having to like dangle things over the camera and like, Hey kids, look over here, smile. No, look back over here. And that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is not, this is not fun for me. This not is not jam. fun. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to get one nice photo. Mm-hmm. out of this and i love like the the lifestyle and just like going to a creek and just walking in the water with yeah. the kids and Play. taking pictures of them like finding you know toads and stuff like that I'm like yeah this is the stuff that you're going to want to remember about the kids at this life stage and that's the only <laughs> only family photos that i take now yeah back when i was shooting family or was shooting newborn for my clients i would i would mm. always just be so specific and i would say i just want you to know like this is my approach uh-huh. i don't know what your expectations are so i want to make sure we're aligned in what you know what i'm shooting and what i'm delivering yes. i honestly felt more pressure delivering mini session galleries than I do delivering a wedding gallery because I think 
the amount of money people pay for portrait sessions or, or even even mini sessions. I mean, they're designed to be cheaper and more affordable, but I honestly mm-hmm. feel like there's even more pressure because you're having to manufacture these moments within a 15 to 20 minute time slot. Yeah. And I don't know, like as a, as like, I don't know. I just like, I, again, I don't, I don't have kids, but as a mom, I would want to be like, well, did we get everything? Did we get the, did we, did we get it? Like, did Mm -hmm. we not? Like, what Mm -hmm. did, you know? And it's like that kind of energy doesn't, doesn't live well in me. No, me, me, me neither. And I know that there are other photographers. Like I know like Rebecca Rice thrives in many sessions. She does that all the time and that if you is have great. a system amazing yeah. yeah and if that is for you like for for you molly you are fine art wedding photographer like you that is where you thrive and that is what makes you come alive creatively and mm. like going to a wedding is not like a oh, i can't believe like i gotta go this saturday again to another wedding it's just like i cannot wait i'm gonna i'm ready early and i'm out the door and yeah exactly and the more aligned clients that i get the more they trust me which Uh is really lovely because i find that like when i was in that mundane portion of my business i wasn't charging probably near well i know i wasn't because i remember my (laughs) taxes um i wasn't charging enough for the value i was providing um and for me you start to feel resentful and i never want to feel resentful towards clients towards planners towards anybody because i'm choosing this profession i'm choosing this job Mm -hmm. um but what i do think is been great is with this major shift, I'm a finding aligned clients who trust me to do my job, who aren't as concerned about a shot list. Yes, of course we need to get those like logistical family photos for your parents, grandparents. Those are a must and, and we'll do it and we'll do it efficiently. But I want you to be a part of your party. Yeah. I don't want you to feel like photography held you back in any way. And the more you can allow us just to like candidly document your day and have it be so like authentically you and i hate that word authentic or like i just it's like such a it's such a, yeah you know everyone's hot, been using it over but i don't yeah i don't love to use it for branding um but truly just allowing your couples to move organically naturally within and you know the the setting that they are and gently guiding them but not having these stagnant poses and um it's just really freeing and it makes you really open your eyes to um what gets you excited and how you can implement that on a wedding day and if you don't know how to do that then then practice it on your off days or practice it or go to a workshop or or set something up yourself and like give yourself the space to find what really lights you up because those are the images that will translate the best on your marketing and on social and on your website. And, you know, you'll be pulled to share those more when you are going through your portfolio. Yeah. 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 And like with, with all of that, yeah, I'm, I'm just like picturing the listener right now. Who's like, Molly, that sounds amazing. I, I was like, that, that was a tangent. That yeah. was a tangent. If that was ever a tangent, <laughs> yeah, that was that's, it. It's perfect. We love tangents here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like for the listeners who really want to kind of break into that next level of, uh, of photography, or maybe not level is the right word, but just like into the different client base. Like serving you said, higher market. Serving you want, a higher if you, market. Yeah, yeah. If you want to make more money. Yeah. How... Uh, what what are some some steps that people can take for that when it comes to like their portfolio and what they're sure. sharing with everyone? You have to think about who your ideal client, what they're going to want to see, and that mm. might not align with what you're currently shooting. So that means that you need to remove the things that they don't want and mm. figure out how you can showcase what they do want. If you are wanting to be a destination um, f- photographer, but you are landlocked in you know Missouri you need to plan some trips and get scenics and get different lifestyle images in different cities that you want to target or you need to showcase that you are on an airplane or whatever like there are different ways that you can showcase this elevated um you know uh market marketing Mm -hmm. if you will um if you're and again this is just for the example of destination but the other part is 
what's stopping you from creating like what they'd be into? So my biggest suggestion for people who are looking to showcase higher, not quality because the imagery in itself, I'm sure everyone's producing great quality, but in terms of higher, um, notoriety with brands and um, designer brands. Our luxury clients are not going to be showcasing Steve Madden shoes. They're just not. So if you have flat lays like with Steve Madden shoes in it, that doesn't mean that that's a bad client or it wasn't a beautiful wedding. It just means you're going to get more of those. So Mm -hmm. if you're showcasing, you're going to show whatever you're showing, you're getting more of, right? So for me, when I wanted to change things, I was like, oh man, none of my brides have like worn Jimmy Choose. I went and I bought three pairs of designer shoes, brought them home, did flat lace, returned them the next day. I'm yeah. sorry, there's no shame in that. Like designers mm. do that. Stylists do that for photo shoots. Why is it any different? If anything, we're not even putting them on somebody's foot. It's right. literally just a flat lay. Yeah. But it, that's the that's the quickest and easiest way that I tell people that it is a quick shift in showcasing the level of client you might be serving. And you want to be able to think about your ideal client picturing themselves in your photos. So mm-hmm. if you want somebody who is more organic and free flowing and like willing to go prancing through that creek, you need you need to set that up. You need to figure out how you can do it, whether it's offering a free shoot to a really attractive set of friends of yours. Great. Yeah. Like I know I know that sounds shallow, but it really is like how things shift and it is unfortunate that, you know, not everything, you know, the Steve Madden shoes just aren't going to hold next to Jimmy shoes. They're just not. And right. I love Steve Madden. I'm not dogging Steve Madden. I've got yeah. a number. But <laughs> I'm just I you know, it's it's that visual branding and the alignment um of that you want to showcase that you have that in common with mm. your ideal client. Oh yes, I also see value in this brand or in this style or this type of floral or whatever it is um and be able to showcase that. So there's ways that you can like kind of tippy toe into it. My my very first suggestion for people is to get those elevated styling details. I don't suggest going into debt for this type of stuff. So like buy and return, like do Mm -hmm. not keep. Um, So that is the easiest way. But then I think the other part of this too, a lot of times people are too close to their work and they can't look at it objectively in in a way where they don't feel the emotion behind maybe what they experienced on a wedding day for that client. Uh Uh-huh. But from a curator, so as stepping into like my curator gallery shoes, it's okay, what am I feeling as the viewer? As somebody who's unattached to what was happening, you know, maybe there's this really sentimental story, but, you know, nobody else knows that. So how are you showcasing impactful images that, you know, someone who is not attached to them is resonating with? And I know a ton of, so many educators offer this. Um, There's image curation. There's, you know, gallery audits. You can get people's feedback. Um, Those are fairly attainable price points typically. Um, my, My offerings, I feel like are pretty attainable and you get, you know, a substantial amount of feedback, but so many people in the industry do this and offer this. So just find someone who you admire mm-hmm. and see if they're willing to do this for you, whether you're hiring them or not. Um, see if they're you're willing to get eyes and be like, hey, can you look at this gallery and can you just mark your favorites? Like what what does that look like? What are they coming back with? Because yeah. I'm sure everyone who has been published who's listening to this will agree with me when you say you send a gallery to an editor and the photos that they choose to focus on the blog are like, oh, I wonder why they chose that because that's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a reason. There's definitely a reason. So I think having a second set of eyes on your work, that is going to be the next step to really help you look at your work a take a step back and look at it a little bit more objectively and really get more discerning in how you are showcasing thing things. And this also goes to don't showcase the same pose over and over and over. Even if it's your go-to, right. we can't see 12 of the same him kissing her forehead on your homepage. Uh-huh. There has to be 
hero images, which maybe that is, maybe that's your go-to shot and that's what people come to you for. Great. But we need to see like the best supporting actors <laughs> throughout. Right, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like they all serve a purpose. Yeah. So those supporting and establishing shots are very important, especially on a homepage, especially on social media, because that's where everyone's landing and that's where you get your chance at a first impression. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. those those first few things of like elevating your details because details are a really easy way to supplement into your feed into social they don't have to be from a wedding mm-hmm. um and then getting a second pair of eyes on your on your work to really give you insight of what's resonating what's not what's fluff where can we trim the fat yes and i love that you mentioned not having the same pose or the same type of photo over and over and over again because there are those poses that we love and it's like i love to do this with every couple and every time that i see the pose and like that photo afterwards i'm just like oh this is great i gotta share you're this. like this is the sneak peek and yeah. then you see your and then you see your social and you're like oh there's <laughs> like, like oh they're all like the 12 same. <laughs> 12 of those 20 uh squares are this shot yeah yeah and like and even just the uh like if you have a close-up photo and then a wide landscape hero image like that is going to look better than just a bunch of close-up photos, bunch of details, a bunch of so the same better. thing. Um, it's going to show a more well-rounded experience for your potential client who is scrolling through your website and they just see sure. a bunch of close-up photos of people's hands and kissing foreheads. And they're like, yep. <laughs> okay, I see yeah, that you do this you well. It can you take a photo of us you know in our environment Uh, don't be afraid of white space so like in the graphic world like white space is referred to obviously all the space that doesn't have print or graphics or anything on it white space in weddings are detail images or scenics or maybe it's literally the sky with a single bird flying through like those are some of my favorite shots to add into Mm. a gallery because it's they're establishing of the of the feeling of the sense of the you know atmosphere that you're in and they serve so well as breaking up the monotony on your feed so on that grid use that wide you know that white space like wisely it allows your viewer a chance to like breathe and like Mm -hmm. it allows the eye a chance to rest which when someone goes and sees so much stuff on a feed it can be overwhelming granted we're of the era that like people are just used to it now, but I can tell you someone's going to stay on your feet a lot longer if it is aesthetically pleasing to scroll and they don't feel overwhelmed. Um, And that's where the curation and like really being mindful of your work um, and showcasing the best of the best. Uh, And again, obviously what you want more of is just so important. Mm -hmm. yeah and that sets you apart from all the other photographers that they're going to and it's just like couple 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 Mm -hmm. and close-up photos and then they go to yours and it's like oh there's that photo of that bird flying through the air and here's a beautiful colored door with you know of the venue and those kind of things like it's like oh this is more interesting Mm -hmm. to go through and why do they post this picture of a door what is this door and Mm -hmm. like that would boost their curiosity a little bit more of wanting to stay on your feed wanting to stay on your website longer than yeah this looks like everyone else uh let me go to their pricing now Exactly. Even if it's not getting the traction or the engagement that you want, it's still serving a purpose. So Mm -hmm. please don't let that be the reason why you don't do it. If you want that hero shot because that's what gets the most likes every time, great. If it works, awesome. But as as a curated body of work, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice by not creating an experience for the person who lands on it. So I think it's super important. Like for me, when I started shooting destination very early on in my career, it's like, okay, like my, I had a destination wedding in uh, Switzerland and it's like, so I started showing like the mountains and like start and like all the scenic photos that I took there, I started showing that they're like, Oh, where is that? And I was like, Oh, that was at a wedding that I did in Switzerland. And they're like, Oh, you travel? Yes, I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just starts to resonate with people and you know, it's a snowball effect. Um, so yeah, that's 
<laughs> I know that's a lot, but um, just think of think of your Instagram as a homepage. Also, it's yeah. it has to be thoughtfully um, thoughtfully displayed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Molly, I have loved this. This has been so much good. So many so good bossy. things. Yeah, I'm no, like, that's, don't do this. Don't yeah. do this. Hey, that's what we need sometimes is someone to tell us because there's there's so many people. I just had someone recently ask, like, I'm a new photographer and there's so much information out there. How do I know yeah. what to listen to, what to implement? Mm-hmm. It's like, do this. Don't do that. Like, exactly. If you want this outcome, go do this thing instead of just like, well, you know, you can if you want to. But right. yeah, no, I love that. Yeah. And I yeah. know my method is not for everybody. I know yeah. I'm not for everybody. And mm-hmm. it's like there is stuff out there for you. If you don't resonate with me or resonate with somebody else, you know, yeah. there is there is a resource out there for you. Yeah. Um. So just just like keep looking. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of having so many photography educators out there is you're going to find your people. And I have been mentored by many different uh, photographers and some of them I was like, yeah, I got nothing. I'm sorry. Like, I I know this wasn't a waste of money, but I kind of oh, feel I've like had it some may waste. Have been. I've had some waste of money. <laughs> I've had some real regretful um big yeah. statements. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and then I've had others that I'm like, I would have given you ten times this because exactly. of the value that I got and the way that I learned from you. So right. yeah, but yeah, Molly, I really appreciate everything that you shared today and. Uh, I'm excited for the listener who's just like pulling up their portfolio right now and they are curating and they're looking at that and they're going to get some eyes on their portfolio to, to view as a, 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 a potential client and not the photographer who is emotionally tied to every single photo. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. No, well, and that's I the thing. It's that. a, it's about telling the story really mm. in a sense in the least amount of photos. So yes. it's like, if you are, if you are somebody who's delivering 1500 photos for a wedding, I feel like that's not only overwhelming for you, but it's overwhelming mm. for the client. Sometimes they don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So it's like, how can we tell the story thoughtfully and accurately um, and with the depth that it deserves in the least amount of images. That's what I'm always thinking of when I'm going through the work. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the best. I mean, that we go into like layering and framing and all that kind of stuff to get like, uh, I love a good, like whenever there's toasts or something at mm-hmm. a wedding and getting the foreground and the speaker and all of that layered together instead of here's a photo of who's speaking here's a photo of their reaction from the couple, but layering them together to tell the story in Mm -hmm. one image instead of, well, if you put these three or four in a row, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, I love it. Well, okay. Before we wrap up, um, there's part of the show that I love to do where we talk about what we're loving this week. Um, Oh boy. And it can be, it can be, anything from you know movies tv shows books to uh just like a, a new tree that you saw on a walk or something okay what do you love in this i can week? just go for it okay. yeah go for it um okay well my husband made me a really good burrito last night and that was the first burrito in a while so that nice. was that was really yummy um no actually what i'm loving I just, I'm not a big reader and I, as somebody who travels very, very frequently, um, Uh I was on the road for about four months of last year. So for somebody who's on the road all the time, um, audibles have become my best friend and Mm. I really, really love people's stories and I love memoirs, autobiographies, that kind of stuff. Famous people, who nobody's, it doesn't matter. Um, I just, I'm a big fan of Brandi Carlisle and I just listened to her audible and I've listened to a number and she just jumped to the top of my list. She, it was incredible. She's an amazing storyteller and Ooh. she, if you're a fan, she sings in almost every chapter, which is rad. That's um, cool. yeah. So, um, that I just finished at this week and it is, I was blown away, like blown away. Huh? That's really cool. Yeah. I like that about audiobooks, mm. especially whenever the author is reading it. It has get, to be read by the author. Yeah. Yeah. There are some that I, I'll, I'll get and I'm like, oh, this is that yeah, one dude. Yeah, it's not going to work. Just, 
And this is how we speak. Oh, no. This, I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm sorry. Yeah, unless um, you're David Attenborough, Ab- you're not going to you're not going to yeah. be able to swing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, that's really cool. I love that she sings yeah. in the she sings in well. almost every chapter. So that's and really cool. what's what's really amazing is she sings the songs of the stuff that she just talked about, whatever her life experience was or whatever. So now you're getting this like you might have loved a song for a certain reason, but now you are like, oh man, this is really what the song is about. And you mm-hmm. appreciate it in such a different level. I don't know. I was blown away. I obviously, um, and I just, uh, if, if you're a fan or even if you're not, and you just are curious about famous people's lives, I think it's a really, really good one to listen to. Yeah. No, that's cool. I I am very curious about famous people's lives because mm. um, I love the the everyday part of mm-hmm. celebrities. Well, because, living in LA, you've I've, I've uh, had yeah. my I've, it's it's a lot. <laughs> fifteen oh, years, sure. fifteen years of living and working with celebrities. It's a lot, especially through Leica. We had a lot of celebrity clients that we'd work with. Um, yeah. So super fascinating uh, and just interesting in general like i said i don't really get like starstruck but it is Mm. very interesting to learn the details of these people's like existence oh yeah oh yeah and what makes them famous yeah oh yeah it's 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 very very interesting seeing a celebrity in like street clothes Mm. And because I saw um, my my first celebrity encounter was Donald Sutherland uh, in Santa Monica, just yeah. walking his dog. And, well, and I'm sorry, but in L.A., like famous people look homeless usually like they I was going to say he's like they literally look yeah. no yeah they look they look the most disheveled yeah. so if you're in LA and you're not from there and you see somebody they very it's a 50-50 shot that it could be like yeah. Brad Pitt you know oh, yeah. you don't know yeah I mean, like if I was famous and people would recognize me if I'm like walking around in like a, a nice suit or blazer or something, I'm like, yeah. I'm definitely going to like not do my hair and I'm going to be gonna wearing be a hot mess. <laughs> this old stained hoodie and yeah. no one's going to recognize me. Uh, but yeah, like that was, I was just like, that's Donald Sutherland. And like I waved at him and then he waved back. And that is what my, a gem. I know. That's a good, that's a good one to see. I Yeah. I was I was very very happy and that was my first time out in California so I was like yeah see California is magical <laughs> yeah come back out yeah well I'll take you take you on the star studded tour yes oh yeah that'll be fun <laughs> um, okay cool I I like that and I'll have a link to uh, to that book in the uh, in the show notes oh, as yeah. well yeah yeah for um, sure. Let's see. I am loving. Uh, so before we started recording, um, mm-hmm. I was we were talking about HBO Max and oh, yeah. uh, recently finally got the full subscription and everything. I've done trials before, but I was like, good for you. There's there's too <laughs> many shows on there that I was interested yeah. in. And I was like, it's going to be worth it. And it has been. Yes. Um, so I just watched White Lotus and first or second season uh oh, i watched both of them okay um, yeah but wild isn't yeah, it amazing it's a it's a wild story it's great filming um incredible like the, the cinematography the way that they would just like back to that white uh that white space of yep. just having the undertow of the setting waves, the scene setting those the establishing scene. shots exactly yes. and it definitely drew you more into the story than just like going from this conversation over to this conversation that's now happening mood. on the beach and it yeah sets a mood yeah, yeah. and oh, that's like such a good one i'm glad yeah. you watched it and some of those uh, establishing shots did like really change the mood of like oh something yeah. something sinister is happening or this yeah, is like for sure you know something sneaky is going on and yeah. i personally i liked uh season one better than season two um, so yeah i have mixed i have mixed i think season one was so different than anything we had seen yes, that the that shock value yeah. makes it really really interesting and i thought the characters were amazing mm-hmm. i Plus, feel like this... i love connie Britton and uh yeah uh, uh, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn yeah. was one of my favorites in the early so 2000s. Funny. Yeah. So funny. So I think the storyline of the second one wasn't as like maybe interesting, but I thought the mm-hmm. character choices were really interesting. Yes. So, I mean, they both serve different things and it's like, you know, your show is good when you're really, like really annoyed by somebody. 
like uh-huh. in the show or you uh-huh. know like they've nailed the they've nailed you know the character yes. or you're just like why are you like that you yeah. know what i mean like why are you making that decision <laughs> like you know that it's a good job because it's like thoughtfully done but i agree i think there's plus and minus to both of them but i, I agree kind of did like the first one better yeah yeah i uh, they're both great uh yeah but yeah i mean italy you can't go wrong with italy so just the scenery there was unreal yeah yeah the scenery and those establishing shots of just the architecture and everything yeah just like they took over that yeah they took over that place i don't understand uh yeah i know it was it was crazy so yeah white lotus is great amazing there's a reason they've won awards and stuff Um, absolutely but but yeah, well, that's what I'm loving. Molly, where can people find you? Where can they follow along, find you on socials, all those things? Sure. Yeah. Um, my wedding photography website is mollymacaulay.com. And then my education, workshops, mentorship, all of those offerings are at makeprettyworkshop.com. And same thing for uh, social. So it's Make Pretty Workshop on Instagram and mollymacaulay underscore photo on Instagram for my uh, personal wedding work. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, sweet. Yeah. I'll have those linked in the show notes. So listener, you can just scroll on down and click on over to those. Amazing. But, Thanks yeah. so much. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today. So did I. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast. As always, you can find all the show notes at podcast.allheartphoto.com. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience. You can join us next time by subscribing on YouTube, Wisdom in the Tangents, or by joining the Facebook group, Wisdom in the Tangents podcast group on Facebook. We do all of the conversational uh, interview podcasts live so you can ask your questions as well. Also, follow us on Instagram, wit.pod, W-I-T-T dot P-O-D, Um, I always share a little something in there about upcoming guests so you can get your questions in early if you can't join us live. And speaking of Instagram, you can follow Molly on Instagram at Molly McCauley underscore photo. And you can also follow her workshops at Make Pretty Workshop on Instagram. And you can follow me at All Heart Photo and the podcast at wit.pod, which I told you earlier. So good job for remembering that. Coming up on next week's episode are my friends Cameron and Tia Goff. We are talking all things AI, chat GPT, and all of the things that might be a little bit scary right now. Get excited for that because it is a great conversation and I learned a ton about AI. So that'll be next week's episode. Until then, I'll see you in the peach orchard.